You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. If you're not willing to pursue humility in your own life, then the downstream from that ultimately is brokenness. Because if God can't get your attention enough to create humility in you, he ramps it up. The circumstances around you, the conflict around you, is willing to allow those until you get to brokenness. Because without humility or brokenness, there isn't the necessity for repentance and ultimately redemption and then this renewal that God so desires for us. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We are continuing our series on Build this week, talking about building your family. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor Jose Avaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning. It's great to have you. And we're joined by the doctor. He's in session this morning. We're joined by Dr. Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being here. Always great to be here for a group counseling session with you (laughs) two. Is that what we signed up for? (laughs) You know something I don't, but but no, Sean, you did a you had a great message. I hope you got a lot of great feedback from it uh, just after Sunday. Just your vulnerability, transparency, the way you woven your personal story into the truths that you had for us. I'd love to kind of hear you already kind of gave us in many ways the background uh, leading up to the message, but maybe one that. I know it's close to your heart that you maybe didn't get to share too much was just how important this is to you and your family, just this idea of building strong families. Because it's true when you said that there's probably a reason why Jose picked you for this message, because I do think of you when it comes to this topic and just how you really value that. But I'd love for you to maybe expound on that a little bit for us before we get started, just what is so significant about families and just even how your personal life is, is woven in there. We believe this is what God's called us to, Christina and I, as a couple, to to minister to families and to care for marriages and the kids that are associated with those. And and so it's our life. It's our life work. It's our life mission. And uh, that's exciting. And at the same time, it's just a super challenge because we live in a small town and people see my marriage. They see my family. They see my parenting. I'm I'm not like we're in a city of a few million people and we're anonymous. And so how we live our life and how we do it is on display all the time. And that's not just us. Everybody in this community is is that way. And it is a little bit of a fishbowl. So that willingness to be authentic and transparent is is really out of necessity. You know, we, we can only be who we are. And sometimes I, I, I worry it puts pressure on my kids probably a little bit and pressure on Christina and at the same time, this is what we signed up for, uh, you know, to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, whatever that looks like. So when we get a chance, I get a chance to actually give a message specifically on something that's so near and dear to our heart. It's it's always an encouragement to me and, and it's exciting. And then what always seems to happen is the enemy comes against that in every way that he can and tries to disrupt our family in some way or Christina and I in our marriage. So for whatever reason, this this time, I just felt like that was the, the place to start um, was by sharing that because I think out of that and, and the need for humility, that's the starting point yeah. for, for change and, and for growth. 
I think about the the verse at the last in the last chapter of Genesis and Genesis 50 when Joseph is confronting his brothers and he says what you meant for evil got turned into good and I feel like the church receives some of the good of what you had to face and uh, that's that's a beautiful story that we got to hear and um, not only inspire us to lead and whatever whatever our family breakdown looks like, which Taylor, you and I have talked a little bit about this and how this this was a message for us in our relationships period. Um, but I do want to see if I can do this with the right words, but I'm going to try because oh you just said something really huge, Sean. You talked about, um, you know, we don't live in a big city. Uh, we aren't a big, huge church. Uh, and, and so it necessitates humility and vulnerability. That's one of the things that I appreciate and honor you the most for, because you do have a job in a big city where you can, you, you mentioned a little bit of the opportunities that presented themselves to you this week. You, you have that opportunity to hide, and yet you and Christina both have decided to share your lives with others locally through this church. And I think that's what that's exactly what God wants us to do. Whether we're church leaders or whether we're just, you know, a, a part of the church, doesn't matter. Let's be vulnerable and uh, allow for God to speak through and, and for one another. So I, I, that example is so powerful. So I want to honor you well, and thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, yet one other thought about behind the scenes that, that's interesting that I wrestled with this past week and I, I still do is this idea that, um, man, there was a time when pastors were trained to, to not be vulnerable, to, to be perfect, to be as close to the example of Christ as they could be so that, you know, the people that are following them or being shepherded by them look up and go, oh, that's what Jesus must be like, my pastor. He's got it all figured out and he's pursuing the Lord and everything he's doing and he's righteous. So that was that training. And and we, we learned somewhere a while back that that doesn't necessarily work because pastors aren't perfect either. And um, when they fall, it does incredible damage if that's the model that's been set up. But then on the other extreme is this idea that we're just vulnerable and transparent for the sake of being vulnerable. And we waller in that and we seek pity and others' compassion, but it's really for the sake of just having companionship in our pain. And I'm trying to figure out where the balance of that is as a leader. You know, as I'm giving a message, like I, I want to be transparent and honest because I think that leads to humility. But at the same time, people are trying to follow yeah. the message and, and the learnings and the teachings. And so that humility, I think, for a leader has to be balanced with this pursuit of Jesus and his truths so that people are like, all right, I love that that person's humble, but I also see that there's somebody worth following because they're going somewhere. They're not just wallowing around in their pain. I don't know if that's making any sense, but it's something that I wrestled with this week. Yeah, the one thing that you've taught me to do is um, when, when, when we speak and when we use our lives as an illustration is don't be the hero of your story. So one of the most powerful moments on Sunday was, wasn't actually something that you said, but something that Christina said. She, uh, I thanked her because it takes both of y'all to, you know, for you to stand up and and um, and do that. And so I thanked her and she said, I just wish that I could have said my side of the story. And at first I thought, whoa, she wants to, you know, say, well, uh -oh. let me tell you, you know, uh, but but she was serious. And she said, I, I hurt him too. Yeah. 
And so that that's your, again, both as a couple, a oneness, uh, your humility and willingness to be vulnerable with, with us. And you weren't the hero of the story. Jesus was the hero, is the hero of your story. And so as long as we point to him, then um, I think we're good. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that posture of humility a little more. And I see, I see concentric circles. I know that's something that Sean, you're a fan of. Uh, just this idea of going from inward to outward. Uh, I think back to the Let's Go series, Jose, your very first series uh, as lead pastor, Oof. and talking about. I know, but like the idea of the we, we're kind of following the same path in this series, to looking at internal and our walks with God, and then as it relates to our family and our workplace and our community, it just kind of goes out from there. But it's that, actually the Kingdom Culture series. Acts one eight, yeah. So just this idea that uh, you're starting within and then going out. So let's just talk about that humility piece for a second. I'm not going to ask both of y'all how you stay humble because I feel like that might be just the answer itself may give that oh, away. I'm but, the most as humblest ever. Uh, exactly, no, I'm more exactly. humble than you are. <laughs> Okay, but anyways, how do you how do you cultivate a, a posture of that? Uh, not only in in both of y'all's marriages, but also just it, first starting with you and your posture towards the Lord, and how does that influence and play a factor in all the relationships? But starting just internally, how do, how do you cultivate that sense of humility? My take on it, man, is that if you're not willing to pursue humility in your own life, then the downstream from that ultimately is brokenness. Because mm-hmm. if God can't get your attention enough to create humility in you, he ramps it up. Yeah. The circumstances around you, the conflict around you, the dark nights around you, he's willing to allow those until you get to brokenness. Because without humility or brokenness, there isn't the necessity for uh, repentance and ultimately redemption and then this renewal that God so desires for us. And so the necessary first step is that humbling of ourselves. For me, you know, I, I might have mentioned this, but I think eventually it, it's this that point where I'm willing to look in the mirror. You know, I, I feel like this is an external conflict. It's between Christina and I, or it's between somebody else in my life. And I want to look at them and change them or point out what's wrong with them. And, and the, the necessary step of humility is the look in the mirror where I'm like, man, you know what? Regardless of what they're doing, something is going on inside of me that is unhealthy or unrighteous or just not who I want to be in this moment. I need to start there. Yeah. And I think that's the simple humility step. Yeah, and when we do that, then we see ourselves changing. We see our our mindset changing. So something that I think about is, I, I when I started following Jesus, there were a lot of things that I didn't want to do. Uh, one of one of which was I didn't want to be a part of the church because I thought I thought that the church had all these things that were they were doing wrong and the institution, and, and I just wanted to be a pure follower of Jesus. Well, that was a good, thank God, motive. And the funny thing is the closer I got to Jesus, the more I realized how wrong my thinking was. And so I started submitting, surrendering more and more to him. Well, I started coming to church and I, you know, said one time that I didn't want to be a leader in the church. And then God opened up the door for me to be a college leader and et cetera, et cetera. So the more that I change or or the more that I look back and see that my way of thinking has changed, that that really is the fruit of humility. It's transformation. It's the renewal of our minds. And again, we can only do that for ourselves. No one else can make those decisions for us. Mm -hmm. So I'm way guilty of wanting that for other people instead of looking at the mirror and 
looking at the things that I need to change. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not going to happen just by accident. I think, Sean, I love uh, your first of the five points you talked about, just the, the need for intentionality, that, that in a, whether it's a healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy set of relationships, and just that posture of humility is not going to come just out of nowhere. What, what kind of disciplines or habits or just practical kind of intentional ways do both of y'all cultivate just a sense of authenticity and humility in your marriage, in your parenting, in your relationships, just in life? What, what are maybe some just practical things that have helped you? Because we just talked about a lot of the heart posture, which again, is so true and so pivotal, but mm-hmm. but how do you actually practically uh, live that out when it comes to just being intentional? Because again, to the point here that talks about in Proverbs, it's, it's not just going to happen if you don't have a plan in place to, to make it happen. Yeah, I had a situation just a couple of days after the sermon on Sunday with uh, somebody else in my family, one of the kids, and they were describing something that had happened uh, that I had done, a decision I had made, and the impact it had on them and, and the disappointment that they felt around that. And man, for me, my initial response even in that was, man, let me justify why I decided what I did. It was the right decision. You know it was the right decision. Uh, when in reality, the intentionality piece that you're talking about, the first step for us as a family is, man, everybody's feelings matter. They just do. And and they're not to be judged and they're not to be swept away. So the fact that that person was disappointed just has to be a big deal. You got to be intentional and say, man, what, what people are feeling matters if you want your family to succeed, you start with that. Everybody's feelings matter. And then from that point, you care about each other from a real genuine place and you're for each other and you pray for each other. We're very intentional about that. And um, I don't know, just those simple little things of letting people feel what they need to feel, giving them space for that, caring about that without judgment. And then, you know, coming alongside each other with prayer. That's kind of our practical steps to making sure we all stay in a humble posture. That's really good. I can't think of, well, I can't think of a few habits, but of how to do that, I can think of one habit to not do. And uh, it's from that verse in Corinthians that says, uh, information puffs up, but love builds up. Mm-hmm. And knowledge puffs up, mm-hmm. but 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 love builds up. And so again, I I am very guilty of justifying bringing information. Well, let me tell you what I was really thinking. Or and again, that that's negating the the emotion or the hurt that that has been caused in a close relationship. So having that empathy and ability to listen and understand is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that you know connects to another point. That's how you build a safe place with that relationship with that person in your life, be it kid, friend, wife, whoever. Mm-hmm. I love what you said just too about the point of intentionality. It just elevates the significance of family. The only reason why you were up there talking about it is because family is important, not only to you, but important to you, Jose, important to the church. Like that's why we set aside a Sunday and not just one Sunday, but series and whole marriage series and just all these things to invest in family and marriage. For someone that's listening, maybe they were sitting there and it just really resonated with them that, oh, they do need to be more intentional with their family. How do they how do they go about that? Do they get a PhD in, in studying family? Do they, I mean, what's what's kind of the, the next steps for them that they, they desire and long to have a lot of the attributes that we talk about in this biblical family, but 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 they don't know where to start. Kind of what would you encourage both of y'all? How would you encourage them to, to take the next step? 
Taylor, it's the 2020s, man. You don't have to get a PhD. You just read a read a website or a post social media post, and you're in. You don't even need Wikipedia now. Open AI, 500 word summary of fill in the blank, and you get it. Everybody's an expert. Oh man, other people think for you. (laughs) Oh dear, other other robots. Cut it now. (laughs) No, Uh, you know, for Christina and I, that intentionality just starts with with time together where we're praying about, you know, the the verse actually says where there's no revelation, meaning where there's no hearing from the Lord about what, that that's the literal translation, it's not just Christina and I, what's our plan for next year? It's like, what does the Lord want for us as a couple? What does the Lord want for our family and for our marriage uh, and, and for our parenting? And so spending that intentional time is important. I mean, we just, you got to set a little bit of time aside and say, hey, let's pray together about what God wants for us as individuals and, and as a family. A very simple way. I love what Brent and uh, Liz said on the video that men, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to love your wives. Why uh, moms, the best thing that you can, you know, give to your kids is to love their dads. Husbands, the best thing that you can do to your wives is follow Jesus. And wives, the best thing that you can do to your husbands is follow Jesus. So in a Christian marriage, you have a third party and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's his covenant. It's his idea. He is present. Whether we acknowledge him or not, it's not the point. So when we grow closer to, to God, uh, then, then we really do grow closer to one another, um, especially in that awareness. But that's what, you know, for a long time, I, I, I was the one that wanted to lead and say, hey, we need to talk about this and we need to do that. And, and, and what I needed to do was just look at the mirror. I needed to deal with my stuff, you know, and then go, go, go um, with Taylor. So I think intentional time with your spouse, yes, and intentional time with the Lord on your own is super important. Good stuff. Yeah, no, no, that's really important here. Sean, you kind of listed out five different um, attributes that you want your family to, to embody. So one, having a vision. Two, get healthy. Three, create safety. Four, communicate clearly. Five, celebrate and mourn together. You've mentioned before that you've got other words that are listed throughout your house. Did you and Christina come up with all those right away? Or was that more of a process that you add over time? Or just thinking just practically kind of how when it comes to hearing from the Lord and putting it into practice, kind of how did you actually go about uh, making that happen. Definitely over time. Those are those are seasons. It's different places in our life, different places in our parenting. Uh, there were words that were more important or values that we held more closely to or elevated above others in a certain stage. Um, and so over time, we've developed a list that's now seven words, seven core values that we have for our family. But yeah, those have all grown. We on our anniversary, we intentionally get away that weekend. And that's our for sure we're going to hear from the Lord and we're going to listen about, we're going to review what we did, good, the bad, the ugly from the year before as a family and where we want to go and where God wants us to go the year after. And so, yeah, that's that's built over time. And I, mean, I would just encourage people to start where they are with what they have, you know, and if it's just one word, if it, what's one word for our family for the next six months or for, for 2023 uh, for our marriage, if you're a couple without kids yet, um, and, and see what God does with that one word. If you hear it, hear it together or come to it together in unity, and then you decide, hey, we're going to try to make some decisions and live a life that exemplifies this value over the course of the next 12 months. See where that gets you. 
personal health is so important. You shared that as far as, and I feel like in any relationship, but especially in a marriage and in, in a parenting relationship. And you alluded to, Sean, just in your personal story, some of the tension uh, with Christina was was triggered by old, bringing up old messages that you had mm-hmm. had from, from your family or from your upbringing. And so uh, I know this may be a loaded question, but if we're in a group therapy session, we might as well go there. <laughs> but what, what impact does our family background ourselves? Because we may not, listening, all be parents or may not all be married, uh, but we all come from a family of some mm-hmm. sort. And so what impact does our upbringing have on our life? And how important is it as a believer to to revisit some of that as we process, just like you did, recognizing the impact the past is having on on your present. Unfortunately, it, it tracks us all down eventually, those, those things from our past. Bob Moss was uh, in a group talking with us the other day, and he used these words, and I kind of spun them a little bit. But basically, we all have an ancestry of darkness and an adversary of evil. You know, we've all got wow. something in our family of origin that's, that's yeah. dark or that's a shadow or that's a liar, that's a wound. I certainly do. I identified a couple of those around, you know, emotions not being important the other day. Uh, but we all have something that we learned growing up in our family. And then we also have an adversary uh, who wants to kind of remind us of those things or use those against us so that we turn to negative coping mechanisms and hurtful things to the people around us. And uh, again, that's a huge topic. Man, I'm grateful. There's been eight uh, last count folks since Sunday that have reached out asking for further help and, and counsel. And if you're listening to this and you're on the fence, like, should I, should I ask, just ask for help and let's get you plugged in to start identifying whatever those things are that might be affecting how you interact with people today, because they don't go away. They just, they're not going to go away on their own. They have to be drug into the light and then dealt with uh, with good counsel, good biblical counsel in the Holy Spirit engaged. That's it. That's it. Yeah. We are a new creation in Christ, and, and that is a process. So that, that identity has uh, been purchased for us, and the process is our, our own walk. So each of us has different words, different messages that we've received, and our walks all look different, but we're all walking towards the one who already calls us by that new mm-hmm. creation identity. He doesn't remember our sins. He doesn't remember the sins that have been inflicted on us in, in, in the sense that we're not defined by those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he paid the price once and for all. Now we get to watch how he heals, redeems, and restores those broken places to make us more alive than ever before. And that's the promise of heaven. We will be fully healed. <laughs> we will no, no longer be weighed down by these pains and hurts. And you use the, the word trauma, which is important to place in its rightful place, you know, but, but we all have stuff that weighs us down. And that's what Encounter Weekends are supposed to be all about for counseling, uh, joining a community group so that you can walk and be open. And if not further healing, just sit in that pain with other people and say, I'm so sorry that that happened. Let's figure out where to go from here together. So... Yeah, no, and this stuff is hard work. I think about just even whether you're not married or not even parents, but just how it's hard work. I know for me, uh, there's times where when there's certain things that are hard, I wanna I wanna put it off or I wanna try to maybe avoid it or kind of you know. And and I think about like a car analogy where I just you know something's not working. I'm like I'll just deal with it later, and then I wait until it's like an actual crisis moment to go to that help. So real quick as we wrap up, what's the value in just proactive uh, investing in your marriage, in your parenting, just in your own personal walk with the Lord? 
Um, because I know I can at least sympathize with some that may just either they, they don't think it's super important or they just don't want to deal with it. So they're just going to wait until it blows up yeah. and then address it. So what, yeah. what's the value in, in proactive uh, health and, and just proactive investment in, in your marriage and relationships? I, let me just say this, and I'd love to hear what you have to say, Sean. That's the why. That's the why behind gathering on Sunday morning. That's the why behind preaching in worship. That's the why behind community group. That's the why, uh, you know, I think about my Catholic upbringing, confession every Saturday. You know, it's so that you can just empty the stuff out, give it to God and remember the things that he's already done. And it's a sanctification process. So that's, I'm sitting in the why. Hit yeah. us with some how. That's good. I, uh, I will definitely hit you with the how, but you, I get to ask you one question before you oh. end our time, Taylor. So I think that the proactive approach is so important. We go you know, to the dentist for checkups mm-hmm. because it's just uh, so much easier to get our teeth clean than it is to deal with those cavities and have that root canal and all that stuff that's downstream from that. We go uh, to get our oil changed in our car because that's way better than sitting on the side of the road when you're trying to get to an important appointment with your engine blown up. And man, it's just easier to do the mental and emotional work of getting healthy when we're in a strong, healthy place to, to, to look back and to try to to dig that old stuff out than to wait until you're in the middle of a conflict and all your buttons are pushed and you're wrapped around the axle and you're hurt and you're sad. You don't have the emotional energy at that point to deal with it. So there's so much blessing to being proactive. And uh, again, man, I hope people take advantage of the Married People series, strengthen their families, counseling if they need it, prayer, the prayer ministry here, uh, so many things that we offer as a church to help people do that. All right, last thing. I know we're running out of time. What is it like? What's it like being a single person knowing Sunday morning we're going to talk about family and we're going to go and and how do you how do you approach that as a single do you want to just stay home that day and pretend like you know say so this doesn't doesn't matter to me or what what's a Sunday morning like for you in a situation like no, that? No, I mean I appreciate the question uh, and I can't speak for everyone. I know you see in my community group last night there were several singles in the room that all had different perspectives. Some that uh, were single and young in college, so hadn't really gotten to that step yet. Some that were single into their 40s and 50s wishing that they were married, and then some that are now a widow that are experiencing singleness. So there's kind of a full range, but I know at least for me personally, uh, I think first and foremost, just I'm so grateful for the the married people in my life, whether it's friends, my parents, others, so I know how important marriage is. And so uh, anytime I hear it on a Sunday, I'm glad that we're talking about it because I recognize that in some ways, Yes, uh, there's differences and, and difficulties when it comes to relationships being single, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of intentionality that needs to go into yeah. a marriage that I don't necessarily need to apply uh, through a marriage right now. And so that's super important. Same way with parenting. It's like, I don't have kids. And so uh, just to be able to have time set aside to really focus and value that because I know my life is better being surrounded by healthy marriages and healthy families, even as a, as a single person. Uh, but there's also a lot, and Sean, you did a great job, Jose, you do this too on Sundays, acknowledging uh, the role that just our own personal relationship has that you don't need to wait till you're married or wait till you have kids to apply. And so I think just woven into the five principles, Sean, that you shared, each one of those are things that I can take away just personally uh, in my relationships and even just recognizing the, the the authenticity that's required, the humility required. So there's plenty of homework that, that I had just following that, that Sunday that I really wanted to pray over and, and go to God. So I think that... Um, not always uh, is a church or speakers really good about acknowledging uh, that 
component of this, but I thought both of y'all have done that really well in the past, and particularly you on, on Sunday, Sean, did a great job acknowledging that. So that, that'd be my experience. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that you have the ability, Taylor, and I think a lot of those folks listening have the ability to pull out what God has for them in a message, regardless of the topic, and, and find application, because that that Bible's for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Jose, this is in the middle. We could we could do a whole family series and yeah. series of messages and all, and we have in the past and probably will do again. But this is woven within the build right. series. Yeah. I would love to hear I your. I was just oh, going there. Go for it. It's go like for you it. read my mind. Um, it is because God is all about family. I mean, from the beginning. Adam and Eve, and then the big family was really Abraham, and we have plenty of uh, pictures of what dysfunctionality and vulnerability, I mean, these families, we know their stuff. <laughs> you know, we have to recognize that that is written on purpose. They're, they're not perfect families. The whole Bible is a bunch of stories of imperfect people where God uses them despite their imperfections. And so uh, families is a big um, word, not only for us individually, but we are a church family. And so there's components of that that are important for us to recognize so that we can grow our relationships. And to that end, I mean, you just said that, you know, you do have a lot of friends that are married and you want them to be healthy. And those that can call you friends can also say, I'm sure that you add a lot to to our marriage just by the way that you pursue Jesus and pursue health in the way that you are, man. So I'm grateful for you, Sean. I'm grateful for you. Thanks for an awesome Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.